0: All right, How's everybody doing today today? Tonight? Showtime. Let's go. All right, so um, not a lot of questions um, for this meeting, so I'm kind of gonna kind of go over uh, a number of different things. Um, but if you have questions, go ahead and put them in, in the comment section. Um, Also, let me know that you're here. Um, Karen is in the house. Good evening, Karen. How's things going? You guys put in the comments section, what are you guys struggling with? What do you need more information um, to help you move your business forward? What type of information do you need? Um, What do you need to study? Uh, What do you need more of? What do you need to focus more of? I did get some questions about the investment math, and we'll go over the math tonight. But what are some of the things that you guys really, really, really need to work on? Um, Put them in the comment section. We'll we'll talk about those things. Uh, Not gonna have a long meeting tonight. Just go over a few things. But uh, let me know how you're doing. Uh, Let me know what your struggles are. Let me know what I can help you with. I'm always here to help. Um, I definitely, definitely, definitely want to pour into you. And so, um, and I, I want you guys to have a great year. I mean, we're, um, it's at, we're almost at the end of the first quarter of the year. And so um, I know a lot of you guys have set goals for yourself for this year. Um, hopefully, you're, you're um, on target to hit those goals. But if you're not, let me know why. What do you think your struggles are? Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about focus and staying determined knowing what your why is, um, setting big goals, and so all, all of those things we, we have to do. Uh, but I, I wanna know what your struggles are. Put them in the um, comment section. We'll talk about those things. Hopefully everybody's doing um, wonderful. Sharvita is in the house. Hey, Sharvita. Um, and so whatever your struggles are, let, let me know. Let's talk about it because look, spring is here spring is here, it's time to get out and go. It's time. And so um, let's start doing deals. Um, Kayla Kayla Brown is here. Hey, Kayla. Clinton is here. Um, And so real estate investing, you guys are here on this call because you want to learn about making more money, investing yourself, building wealth, building generational wealth, Tori is in the house. Hey, Tori. Let me know what your struggles are. Keith Bennett is here. Keith KB is here. Um, What are your struggles, you guys? Put them in the comment section. What do we need to talk about more? What do you you need help with? What are some of the things that are going to take you from where you are to where you need to be or should be so that this real estate investing can help you live up to your fullest potential? And so um, those are some of the things that I, I want to talk about. Coop is in the house. What's up, Coop? So Coop is here. Um, Kevin Kevin, and uh, Tamika is here. Uh, I know they've been going driving for dollars. Um, one thing I do want to talk about that just comes to mind is skip tracing. A lot of you guys have questions about skip tracing and w- what that is. And so... Um, so here's what skip tracing is. I, I want you guys to really get good at when you d- drive past a property or know of a property, you have the address. I want you to utilize some automation so that you can look up the seller's name and the seller's phone number so that you can preferably call them or send them a letter, a postcard, or even door knock them. And so I want you to get good at that. So um, what you need to do is get some automation. Deal machine is good, PropStream is good. I know a lot of you guys are using PropStream. We've got an announcement coming out next week about PropStream where you're gonna be able to, we're gonna be able to give you a coupon code so you can get it cheaper. Um, But uh, I want you guys to get really, really good at finding properties and then quickly um, finding out who the homeowner is and contacting them. Um, what I used to do years ago was door knock. I would just go door knock them and see if they were interested in selling the house. Now if the house is vacant or abandoned, of course, you can't door knock them, but you can you can certainly get their phone number. And so, and then oftentimes what I do even now is if i if I know the homeowner's address and I'm able to get their name, I don't have their phone number, I'll just Google, I'll I'll Google their name and then their area code. So if they're in Washington, DC, if the house is in DC, I'll I'll Google their name and then I'll put 202 and see what comes up. And I'll probably 80% of the time, I'm able to get the name. And and I mean, I'm able to get the number. So those are some of the things that you guys wanna do. Um, But you guys put in the comment section some things that you guys need to work on. And um let's talk about it. What are what are some of your struggles? What what are some of the things that um, are keeping you from you know achieving your goals? So keep put time blocking. And so time blocking is, is um very important, you guys. And so I time block every day. And so you've got to consciously block out time every single day. I don't like it when I hear people say that they're having they don't have enough time in the day to do everything that they need to do. You do have enough time. You're just not blocking out time. And and so I have, um, I just looked at my schedule for tomorrow. I legitimately have um, 10 10 appointments tomorrow, starting with the nine o'clock appointment with my my, um, title company, virtual. And then um, I meet a wholesaler at her property tomorrow morning. And then I go to one of my properties and then I have a um, podcast, and then and so on and so forth, all all throughout the day. <clears throat> but I have a schedule, so that helps you with time blocking. So get a schedule. So I have a schedule, virtual schedule, on my phone and an app. So that's going to help you block out time. But then also, um, I try to everything for me personally. I, I block out time um, in the mornings for all my field activities. So going to my personal properties, looking at new opportunities out in the field, um, visiting my investors and my wholesalers um, out in the field in the mornings, um, even, even honestly running errands. I try to take care of all that stuff in the morning. Um, obviously when I first get up, I you know meditate, pray, um, I work out now. I'm, I'm I'm walking five miles every morning. Um, but I'm going to start probably next week. Get back into the gym. I haven't been in the gym, you know, because of COVID. <clears throat> but I'm thinking uh, I've been vaccinated, and the guys are texting me, calling me, "When you coming back? When you coming back?" And so there, I, I got to hurry up and get back in because they they're they're, uh, they're I, I know they're way ahead of me. Um, so I got to catch up to them in terms of lifting. And so um, I'll get back into the gym, but then I, you know, I try to have a nine o'clock meeting every morning, and then my day just goes. But my my day is blocked out. And so what I honestly try to do is the most important things for me. I try to get done before noon. Everything that I deem to be most important, um, I get. I try to get done before noon, and then um, and then I have all my other appointments after that. And sometimes I get off at. Five o'clock. You know, sometimes I have to go until um, seven, eight o'clock. Last night we actually had a settlement that didn't end end until nine thirty. I wasn't there, but you know, you know, on the phone making sure everything was fine. So you've got to block out your time if you're if you're um, driving for dollars. What days and what times are you going to do that? Block out time if you're going to the probate office. If you're working probates what day and what time are you going i used to go on mondays and i would try to get there as soon as they open like no later than nine o'clock every monday and every now and then to to beat the monday rush because a lot of people go on mondays i would go on fridays um and i would try to get there before nine o'clock um so when when are you going to do what's most important and so that's how you time block but you've got to block out that time to give yourself time to do everything that you need to do if you don't do that if it's not systematic if you don't have a um a calendar or a schedule your day is going to get away from you and and i try not to allow my day to to the point where um part of my prayer is that i have a productive day that i get everything in that this morning i remember praying that 12 hours from now um I, I'm able to look back at the day and say I had a productive day and, and I've been able to do that. And so that all goes with time blocking. And you guys, you've got to do that. You've got to do that. And so Adrian said, "Up, I'm, I'm very busy tomorrow. I am. Hey, Andre, Andre is in the house. I am, but I, I got to get it in because I've got big goals. And so if you have big goals, you guys, you've got to get it in and you can't have an excuse that there's not enough time in the day or i didn't have enough time we make time for what's most important building wealth retiring financially free um leaving a legacy all those are the most important things that you guys can do but like that's the most important things you can do <clears throat> so make time for that also um If you guys have a property in Baltimore, I think you do, um, Andre, let me know. We'd like to see it. I'm gonna have uh, my Platinum Coaching students um, doing a caravan on um, Saturday. And so we're um, gonna go to a couple of the students' houses. We'd love to stop by one of yours. And so uh, we're just gonna go house to house, 10, 15 minutes at each house. Uh, We'll be able to look at different areas and different stages of renovations so you have something. I think Andres has something. I'm looking to see who else is on here. Um, so we'll be up there. Let let me know, you guys. Let me know. And so again, you guys. Um, Keith put part of his challenge is time blocking. What what are your challenges? Like what are your challenges? What what's keeping you from achieving your goals? <clears throat> what's keeping you from achieving more than what you're achieving now? And so, um, so just let me know, let, let me know what, what that is. And um, let's talk about it. Let, let's talk about all your challenges. We don't have to stay on this call long um, this evening, but let me know what your challenges are, you guys. And before I forget, I'm, I'm gonna take a deep dive into wholesaling tomorrow. So on my live podcast at, at noon, um, I'm gonna go over, um, an advanced wholesaling strategies, um, talk where, um, it'll be interactive. You can ask me questions, but I'm going to really get into advanced wholesaling strategies. And so, um, you, um, subscribe to my YouTube channel. You guys are all on YouTube right now. Subscribe to that channel. Uh, you'll be able to catch it live. If you can't catch it live, you'll, you'll get the, um, you'll get the recording, but, um, yeah, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's, um, I'll be talking about wholesaling tomorrow at noon. All right, so one of the questions that came in, one of the questions that came in was, it was a financial question about putting together <clears throat> um, some type of um, template or package to give to um, private lenders. And so, so you you guys know that private lenders and having cash is is private lenders play a major role in real estate investing. As far as we're concerned, investors we need private lenders. Um, the last house that I that I uh, purchased and renovated, I I got the money to buy the property from a from a. Uh, hard money lender, which is really a private lender. They're just a business or company. And so I got my, um, my money to buy the property from the hard money lender. Um, I got the money to renovate the property from a hard money lender. I still need money for closing costs and I need money to start the first draw. I called one of my private lenders and um, asked for $50,000. And so they gave me $50,000 um, so so that they put up the closing cost money and got me started with the first draw until the bank gave me the money for the first draw, which means I didn't put up any money on this property. Um, I didn't put up any money. Um, and so then the question is, how do you find private lenders and what what do you um, what do you present to them? Template. Um, Package, whatever, what what is that? And so, take notes, you guys, because this is important. You guys have to find them. So let here's what I try to do. I I try. I obviously I give them the address. Um, I give them pictures of the property. I'm writing this stuff down as as I'm speaking, so I don't miss anything. So they get the address, so they can look it up themselves. I give them um, as is pictures. I give them the comps to the property. Um, So I give them two sets of comps. I give them the um, as is comps and I give them the after repair value comps. Um, I give them a copy of the contract. So the contract um, that I sign, I give them a copy of that. Um, I give them a draw schedule and I also give them a scope of work. So draw schedule. Uh, let's let's say for example it's a um, ninety thousand dollar draw, where it's going to take ninety thousand dollars to renovate the property. I've broken down that ninety thousand dollars into three lump sum payments. But within those three lump sum payments, I um, I itemize like for for example the first draw will be thirty thousand dollars. I itemize exactly how I'm going to spend that thirty thousand dollars. Um, second draw will be another thirty thousand dollars. I itemize how I'm gonna do that, and then the last draw. So I give them a scope of work. I give them a draw schedule. I give them a draw schedule and it's a narrative. It's a blueprint. it's it's a um, it's a report on exactly how, where the house is now. It's a narrative where the house is now. And then where is it gonna be once I renovate the property? What I'm gonna do. So it's three bedroom, one bath now. Um, when I'm finished, it's gonna be three bedrooms, two full baths. I'm going to totally renovate the um, the basement. Gonna put a bathroom in the basement. Gonna put um, tile in the basement. We're gonna um, put new drywall up in the basement, paint the basement. We're going to run um, ducts throughout. We're going to put a full HVAC system in the property. Um, new hot water tank. Um, new electrical throughout the house. We're going to have to um, increase the amps, so we're going to do a heavy up um, in for electrical and then um, plumbing. The bathroom, new bathroom, and all all new electrical pipes. And so it's a, it's a narrative on on the main level. We're putting in brand new hardwood floors, um, five inch baseboards, shoe molding, crown molding, um, stainless steel appliances, granite countertops everything. So, so all that goes into your, um, um, your scope of work. And then of course we have the draw schedule. Um, what else do I give? Um, so they get the contract, so they'll know how much I'm, I'm paying for the property, um, there's a couple other things that I'm not thinking about that I give them. So I give them all of those things, you guys. And if you're able to do that, and then you guys should be able to tell the private lender that you're you're you work with a group of experienced investors that have over 30 years of experience. And so don't draw on your experience. Um, Draw on the group's experience uh, and let them know that um, you know people from the group are going to be helping you overlook the proper the project. Where do you find private lenders? There's private lenders on this on this call right now and in, in this meeting. And so it could be your next door neighbor, but preferably um, somebody you know, a family member, friend, old classmate. And once you start doing more, I, I've, 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 um, had private lenders give me money. It's worked out. And so they get their friends to want to give me money and their family members that that want to give me money. And so why do they want to give me money? Because if I'm given the, if they're getting like less than 1% with their money on a checking account, or, I mean, on a savings account, maybe 1% on a CD, uh, less than 2%. Um, they could have their mar- money in a, in a, um, in a mutual fund that's not maybe giving them 5%, 6%. If I can give them 10% on their money, then that's better than what they're getting on their money now. So that's why they do it, but they've got to know you, they've got to trust you, but you've got to put together a package of information to give to them to show the credibility of the project, but then more importantly, the credibility of you. And so you lean on the the credibility of the group. Um, You wanna also talk about the contractor and experience with the contractor and show the contractors um, their license, that they're licensed um, and bonded. so you wanna show them all of that. You've gotta have all your ducks in order um, for them, but also for yourself. And so um, that's what you need. That's what you need for a private lender. So if you guys have any questions, and it's going to be very difficult, you guys, to scale your business and to do multiple projects at one time without private lenders. I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years now, and I still draw on private lenders because when you're doing, like recently, like right now, I'm doing at various stages uh, four projects right now. Or four flips um, although two two might be I, I might decide to um, hold those but when you're doing four flips and that there's been time in my career when I was doing ten at various stages you like you need cash sometimes you need cash between draws um, sometimes you have change orders um, and, and those change orders aren't on the draw schedule. So you've got to come up with cash. It gets to be cash intensive. You want to leverage other people's cash. And so that's what you want to do. You want to leverage other people's cash um, for your own projects. We want to use other people's money to build our own wealth. And so you got to call on people. So here's one thing that I want you guys to do. You need to make a list. Kevin and Tamika, you need to make a list of everybody that you know, Sharvita, everyone you know that you could call on as a private lender. And here's the thing, you guys, there's no shame. You should be no shame in your game. I've been doing this for 30 years. No shame in my game. It's a means to an end. All they can do, you guys, is say no. All they can do is say no. But you've got to ask because you never know. You never know. Somebody right now could be thinking, you know, how how can I build wealth? How how can I get more interest on my money? You just never know. So you ask. And you just ask in a way that if they say no, it's okay. But how do you know? How do you know um, whether or not they're going to lend you the money or not? So I I just pick up the phone and ask. And I mean, now I have a list, but now, you know, people call me and that's that's what will happen to you. But in the beginning, <clears throat> for me, it wasn't that way. And so I had to pick up the phone and ask. <clears throat> and so that's what you have to do with your private lenders, you guys. And that's how you start to scale your business. And so we talk about having big goals and big dreams. Um, and having a team that's going to help you get to those big goals and those big dreams part of that team needs to be private lenders. And so you've got to ask them, you've got to have a list and ask people and start making that list so that when you find a property, you know who to go to, um, to um, ask for money. And I know that a lot of you guys like Charvita, you guys are buying and holding, you're fixing and flipping. The name of the game is to use other people's money. Leverage, it's called leverage. Leveraging other people's time, their money, their experience to help you grow your own business, but also to help them as well. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a win-win, it's a two-way street. All right, you guys, that's enough about private lending. If you guys have any questions, put them in the comment section. If you have questions about anything else, put them in the comment section. <clears throat> All right, so here's another question. Um, how, how oh, I wish I had it in the chat. I can't put it in the comment section. How how do, how do we best navigate a property purchase when a deed hasn't been recorded? All right. So let's just stop there. So um, I think it's Sharvita Sharvita has a deed. She's trying to buy a house. I think she's trying to buy a house and the deed is not recorded. So obviously Sharvita, you can't buy that house if you have it under contract then you just wait, like I, I've waited. And here's the beauty of waiting. I know you're anxious, you wanna get going, but the beauty of waiting is one advantage, you gotta look at every situation and see the good in every situation. The good in this situation is building equity. As time goes on, the house is appreciating, especially especially in this market, um, the, the property is appreciating. So, Obviously, you can't buy the property until it's, they've already signed, I'm assuming. Settlement is is done, but through the title company and maybe through the city or the county, it's just not recorded yet. And so you just have to wait. And it looks like you're waiting a long time. It says they're taking six to eight months. Sell a body in January. All right. So they're taking a while and, and going through the title company to use the purchase. So you're, all right. So, yeah, I would go through the same title company, but Charvita, just wait. I mean, hope, hopefully. Hope, hopefully um, you'll be able to buy it soon to take take advantage of the summer market. Um, and so I'm, I'm getting ready to buy, hopefully getting ready to buy a property where, you know, I started counting down. I got a phone call today. Now I'm using my fingers. OK, if I close in April, I've got May, June, July. August September, like I've got five months to finish that property and get it on the market to take advantage of spring of uh, summer market. and so that's that's the same thing with you. yeah, sometimes and so Charvita put it's a it's a Baltimore City property. sometimes Baltimore City um, takes takes a while unfortunately to record and so you just have you just have to wait it out. And then I think you're probably put put in the comment section are you holding the property? Or are you flipping the properties? I think you're probably going to hold it, and so it's 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 fine. Um, but if you're going to flip, like we want to get we want to get these properties now to take advantage of either spring market or summer market. We know traditionally that fall market starting in October, the market starts to slow down a little bit. And so obviously didn't slow down this past fall because of um, the market frenzy with um, no inventory and a whole bunch of um, buyers because of interest rates. And so the market hasn't slowed down since probably not this time last year, but probably April, May of last year, April, May of last year is when we really started to see you know true sellers market where there's more more buyers and sellers than than i've seen in my 30 years of being in real estate um market hotter than the early 2000s before the recession of 2007 2008 and so it's um and so but any at any rate so is saying she's going to be flipping the property and so my, my hope for you, um, it's a full rehab four month project. Okay, so it's perfect. If you can close on that project, Charvita, I'll say within the next 30 days, um, but four months, you got 40 to 60 days. I mean, yeah, about 30, 40, 60 days to close on it. And then just have everything in order. Just know that you've got to get inspections, um, you, you've got to get your contractors ready to get permits, get that building permit right away, be ready for that, then get all your um, your trades, um, get them ready to pull their permits, the plumber, the, electric, the electrician, and the HVAC guy, your mechanical, um, get them ready so that you can get going, get your demo people in line, order your dumpsters, and so that you can hurry up and you know demo that property and get it ready. All right, Charvita. So Charvita's got a flip in Baltimore. Tell us how you found it. Put it in the comments section. Let us know how you found that property. Um, what type of marketing? What type of marketing did you do to find that property? Most of the properties that I, I get in Baltimore, except for the last two, um, for for me are really buying holds. Um, but I have uh, I actually drove by a property yesterday in Charles Village, two one two one eight in Baltimore that um, I renovated to hold, but ended up selling. And so, um, but she, she's going to hold this one. All right, way to go, Sharvita. OK, so I think I've answered all of um, Charvita's questions. And so um, let's see, we've got another question. Um, I think this was Chloe's question about ARV. So Charvita saying this is her second one. Okay, so so now Charvita showing off. I see you showing off, um, Charvita. But look, she bought it through an auction, Ashland Auctions. Um, she purchased this through an auction. She won a bid at the auction. So Ashland Auctions, you guys, Google that, Ashland Auctions. Um, so and and so I like Ashland because they um, you, you actually bid not at the courthouse steps. But right in front of the house so you actually get to go in right before the auction and see the property so she won this one on ashland auctions and i believe um oh 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 oh, oh. um anyway uh anyway um just forgot something but anyway um, but Ashton Auctions, good job. Good job, um, Charvita. All right. Um, how can I figure out the after repair value on an unfinished remodel? So um, I think Chloe is saying that. Oh, just so. So someone just sold a, a property with Ashton Auction. Good. And so I've I've done that, too. I've bought a property and cleaned it out. And just gave it to the auctioneer without even renovating the property, and so that that's also a good strategy. Yeah, they're great to work with, <clears throat> absolutely. And so I've, I've done that. <clears throat> I actually have one in Baltimore County <clears throat> that I'm thinking about doing the same thing. Um, one that at the courthouse steps have already cleaned it out, and instead of renovating the property, thinking about just. Because uh, the guy that had a really, really good price. Thinking about um, just giving it to the auctioneer and just make my money really quickly that way without doing without other than cleaning it out, not doing anything else. Just just purchase it, clean cleaned it out, and giving it to um, the auctioneer. So the property that um, Charvita um, bought. Um. She says after repair value in that block is 190. So 190 is good, um, depending on what what area of Baltimore she's in. That's good. Oh, that's Billy. OK. Hey, Billy. And so, so Quentin is asking the question, um, <clears throat> do you pay an auctioneer company a simple commission? And the answer is yes. Um, the answer is yes. So, generally speaking, an auctioneer, um, you pay them a five percent commission. And so, if you win, if you win the um, property at let's say a hundred thousand dollars, you owe them a commission of five thousand dollars. You pay them five percent. Now, um, in foreclosures and auctions, we don't call it a commission. We actually call it um, a buyer's premium but it's the same thing. A buyer's premium is the same thing as the commission. So when you win the bid, you, you've got you've to know when you do your numbers, that's why we always tell you guys, um, use 60% of the after repair value minus repair costs, 60%, because you've got to tack on another 5% for the commission or the buyer's premium. So just um, just keep that in mind. Keep, keep that in mind. Um, so Billy is saying Ash, Ashlyn adds to it on the price so it doesn't come out of your proceeds. Okay, so so Billy is saying the 5%, um, they already include that in the bid price. That's good. That, that's, that's good. So it's not gonna come out. All right, that's good. That's good, okay. Um, all right, so look, ARV, you guys, we go over ARV every meeting. Every meeting we go over ARV um if if a property here's the thing you guys when we're getting arv that's after repair value when we're looking at after repair value so first of all after repair value means what is the house worth once it's completely renovated so Sharvita's saying the house that she's buying which is in 21229 that's um, Edmondson Village area, West Baltimore. I, I own property there, Sharbita. And so she's saying that once she renovates the property, completely renovates the property from head to toe, she'll be able to sell it for 190 Now, my guess is that she's probably bought it for somewhere around um, 90000 80000 something like that. It's probably what she bought it for. But when she renovates the property, it's going to be worth, 190 that's your after repair value once the after the property is renovated and after the property has been repaired that's the value ARV after repair value so whether the house is um a burned house that has been either burned down or has caught on fire or needs to be updated um or the or the renovations have started not completed None of that really matters, to be honest with you. Only thing that matters is, what are you going to be able to sell it for once it's renovated? That's your ARV. that's your after repair value. And so in any area, let me sit up. My staff hates it when I when I get relaxed and, and, and um, sit back. Uh, so let me make sure I sit up so you guys can see me. Wow, Sharvita's is saying that she bought this property for $25,000, wow um she's buying it she's buying the property in 21229 for twenty five thousand. she's bought she's buying another one for 45 so that's a great deal the arv is 190 it's that's a steal she's bought it less than um way less than 50 percent of um of the after repair value um, but she's saying one that had water damage okay so so you guys, you you've got to you've got to have an understanding of what ARV is. ARV is after the property has been renovated, what will it sell for? And so that's that's your ARV. And so for Charvita, 190, she'll be able to sell it for 190. That's your ARV. Um so we're buying properties that need to be renovated. That's the type of properties we want to buy. Um, Somebody asked me earlier in the week uh, or last week, do I buy houses that have caught on fire? Absolutely, because um, a lot of them just need to be cleaned out. I I bought a property in Northeast, the Woodridge area of Northeast, D.C., um, a couple years ago. And the fire had it it was so much fire, the fire had gone out the roof. But because the house had caught on fire, at the time, this particular house, the after repair value was about $600,000. But because of the fire, um, instead of me paying probably around $300,000, I, I paid $200,000 for the house. Now, a lot of the things that I was, if I was to gut the property, I probably would have paid three hundred, dollars paid $200,000. But a lot of the things that I, that I had to get out of the house, like putting on a new roof, because there's literally almost no roof, I was gonna do a new roof anyway. I mean, I had to spend a little more money on the sub roofing and the trusses. Um, I was gonna have to do that anyway. I had to put in new wall joists. That's not, it's just wood. Um, I was gonna probably have to do some new wall joists anyway, um, new flooring. Well, we, we were um, going up a level on the house anyway. And so was so the fire really didn't affect us, um, especially after demo, because a lot of things that we were doing, we were going to have to do whether the house caught on fire or not. You can take advantage of getting prices a lot lower. We always like to say the uglier the house, the better. The uglier the house, the better because you can. And the reason we say that is because we have a lot of leverage um, on negotiating a better deal. We like to say mold is gold. Mold is gold. I love buying houses with mold in it. I, I bought a house in Annapolis, Maryland um, for about, I believe, about $200,000, where the after repair value was like $550 because the basement was full of mold. And so the seller looked at that um, in a way that they actually thought that they couldn't sell the property. Well, for me, it was like it was an opportunity um, because to remediate mold is, is so the basement was unfinished anyway. The basement had three feet of mold in it, but we're, when we finish a basement, we're getting we're getting rid of you know drywall. Um, In this case, it was really, really bad. So uh, we had to get rid of not only just drywall, but insulation. We had to get rid of the uh, wall joists. We had to get rid of the flooring. Those things we were going to have to do anyway to finish the basement. And so it's a great opportunity. So keep in mind, you guys, that the uglier the property, the better. The uglier the property, the better. Use that ugliness or that challenge in that property, <clears throat> use that as leverage to negotiate even a better deal on the property. Um, the uglier, the better. Mold is gold. All those kinds of things. Um. All right. So, um, so that's after repair value. Know what the after repair value is. I'm going to give you guys a scenario in a second, and let's see who's the first one to come up with these numbers. Let me see if I think I may have some questions. Oh, okay, so Charvita saying it's a hundred thousand dollar budget. Okay, <clears throat> and so Charvita, are you going to get some contractors from Baltimore, or are you going to bring some from the DC area? Uh, yeah, like Gary is Gary is saying, ugly equals discount. There you go. That's a better way of putting it, Gary. Better way of putting it. Um, that's that. That's that. Pit education. That pit education coming for you, uh, uh, yeah. Ugly equals discount. Good, good way to uh, put it. Okay, all right. Let's see. Uh, what is the common percentage you use if you can't see the property um, to get the repair costs? <clears throat> so that's a good question, Melissa. Um, and that kind of leads into um, the Mayo formula. So it's twenty percent. And so I, I I like to use twenty percent for repair costs, twenty percent of the after repair value. So if after repair value is four hundred thousand, and I can't see the property, then I'm going to use twenty percent of the four hundred thousand. That's eighty thousand dollars repair costs. That's what I'm going to use as repair costs. Um, so that that that's how I do it. Let's see. I'm using the same contractors from the one I'm working with in the same block. Oh, she's buying two in the same block. Good. Just know you guys in certain areas, labor costs are cheaper. And so the labor costs in Baltimore is cheap, cheaper than labor costs. Let's say, for example, in Washington, D.C., contractors are charging you more there. Um, Material costs are generally about the same material costs right now is a lot higher because of COVID, it's hard getting material. Like you, you've you got you've got to get to like a Home Depot or Lowe's or some of these other places like six in the morning just to get material. And the cost is just incredibly high now um, because there's a shortage of material um, because of you know the state of the world, really the state of the economy. All right, let's see. um So Chloe is asking. So would the repair value? Let me let me just put this up. Um, so would the repair value be different if the property is partially renovated? Um, yes. So the repair cost is going to be different. And so we generally use as a rule of thumb twenty um, percent of the after repair value. So if after repair value is two hundred thousand, repair cost should be about forty thousand. If they've already done some work, you guys, if they've already done some work, then that's going to decrease the um, repair costs. It's going to decrease the repair costs because they've already done some repair costs. And so in that case, if you don't have experience estimating repair costs, I would take a contractor with you, coach, mentor. If you're wholesaling, take a cash buyer, take somebody with you. But yeah, oftentimes like I bought a property on Dick Street in um, Deanwood and I used the mail formula so I used seventy percent of the after repair value minus repair cost as my formula um, thinking that repair cost was going to be twenty percent. I was able to get that number, but when I looked at the property, the um, the, the, the former owner. Not, not the, not the person that I actually bought the property from. Actually, the person that I bought the property from, bought that property three years um, ago, or three years um, from the time I bought it from her. She had it for three years, but she bought a completely renovated property, and so the property had been renovated um, three years prior. But um, unfortunately, I don't know if she lost her job. I don't know what happened, but the house was getting ready to go to foreclosure and so I bought it. And so what made that property that that deal such a good deal is I bought it according to the formula but the repair cost was cut in half. So I bought it for even more better than the numbers dictated because that property already already had a completely renovated kitchen with granite countertops. I didn't do anything to the kitchen. I didn't even change the um change the appliances. All I really did was paint. I, let me see, I painted. Um, it was like one one or two things I did in the bathrooms, but I didn't do much. I mean, I think I spent maybe less than $12,000, so I got a really good deal. Now, if I had to negotiate even higher, I would have, would have because I had the room because the renovation costs wasn't as high. So, So, Chloe, um, you you asked a good question. And so if the house doesn't need a total renovation, then no, you don't have to do the 20 percent. So that's that's a good question. Just really according to what needs to be done in the property. Actually, that property on Dick Street, I was going to flip the property, but it was such a good deal. um, I decided to go ahead and hold on to it and rent it out um, to a voucher holder. Speaking of voucher holders, you guys, um, I went to visit one of my properties actually in, um, in Baltimore yesterday. Um, I hadn't seen this property in about a year. I have a voucher holder in the property, hadn't seen it in about a year. My tenant, um, she was complaining that there was water coming into the basement and there was water getting into the basement so i so um i sent my contractors over there they changed the flooring um they 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 changed the the steps coming down to the basement and i just wanted to take a look so so i had an appointment with her last wednesday and i canceled at the last minute and so i told her i'll come on monday so I, i went yesterday and so on the way Um, On the way to see her, I went down Route 301. There's a Krispy Kreme, um, uh, I guess it's called a restaurant there. I went and bought her a dozen um, donuts. And I've never met her. I only talked to her on the phone. Um, So I I brought her a dozen donuts. And here's why I did that. This is not the point of what I'm saying, but I bought her a dozen donuts to show goodwill. I want wanted, I look at my properties as a business Um, and like a business, if you treat the the people who are taking care of the business, like you treat your employees really good, they're going to take care of your business. They're going to have ownership in your business. Um, They're going to treat that business like it's theirs. Um, The same with the tenant. If you show goodwill to the tenant, they're going to be more than happy to show goodwill towards you and take care of the property. I wanna get tenants that I have a minimum of 10 years because I know that every time you turn over a property and get a new tenant, it costs you so much money. And so so now you turn it over, now you got in some cases paint, you got to put in new flooring sometimes. Um, The house stays vacant for a couple months. Sometimes if you're using voucher holders, section eight has to come back out and inspect the property. And so it could go unrented for two, three, four months, and you have to spend money on fixing it back up. And so I try to do everything I can to keep that good relationship with my tenants. And so I took, I took her donuts, not knowing how the property was gonna look, went into the property, greeted her, gave her the donuts, and to my pleasant surprise, the house was immaculate. It was in better shape than it was when I when we turned over the keys to her. And so I was grateful. I, I was truly grateful. I was glad that I brought her the donuts. It's a small gesture, but that goes a long way. Just me coming out to the property. Um, she showed a lot of a lot of gratitude. Um, but the house, to my surprise, and I thought to myself, driving back. Like I need to do whatever I can to keep her happy and keep her in that property. Because here's the reality, you guys. There's a good chance that she's gonna pay for that house for me. I mean, I'm I'm making on that house somewhere around I think 900, close to a thousand dollars a month in positive cash flow. Now, Section 8 goes up every year, but um, so I'm I'm I've got a positive cash flow. But if I can keep her in there long enough, um, she'll pay the whole house off for me. So any little thing that she wants done, I'm running. I'm sending my contractor over there for the littlest thing because there's a good chance she's going to buy that house for me. She's going to pay for it. Um, And I might even take a little bit of that positive cash flow and send at least one or two extra payments a year to the mortgage company to pay that to pay that mortgage off even sooner, so I can get that property paid for. So keep those things in mind, you guys, especially those of you who have um, tenants. They're not they're they're not your enemy. They're your friend. They're they're your business partner. Um, they're they're going to uh, help build that wealth for you. So take care of your tenants. I know some landlords that actually. If they have no trouble all year long, the tenants pay on time. Some of some landlords send their tenants on vacation. Some tenants let their let I mean some landlords send their tenants on vacation. Some landlords allow allow their tenants to skip, let's say um, December's rent because of Christmas, and so they show a lot of goodwill towards their tenants. But really, they're showing a lot of appreciation. And so they're not your enemies, they're your friends. Get to know your tenants, you guys. Get to know your tenants. Um, so I did that yesterday and I'm glad it was the best trip I've I've made to Baltimore in a long time because um, they're helping me build wealth. And I just rode down the road, down the road thinking, wow, like I need more of her. But honestly, more, my, I mean, all, all of my, let me just say this and I and I and I thought this was going to be a short meeting but I, I just get to talking that voucher holders get a bad rap you guys there's a lot of people that would wouldn't dare run into a section 8 tenant or 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 any type of voucher holder every voucher holder that I've ever had and I've had them for like forever like I've had them my whole career The second property I bought, which I was 24 years old, bought a property in um, Fort Lincoln in um, Northeast DC, Fort Lincoln, Woodridge area. She was a voucher holder and she was wonderful. And all of them have been wonderful. And so don't shy away. And I I like, I like, I primarily like renting to voucher holders because first of the month, my, my money is there through thick and thin, through recession, through pandemic, first of the month, bam, all of the payments. Bam, 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 bam. bam. They're there. And so um I love voucher holders. You've got to manage them. You've got to be their friend. You've got you have to check on the property. I don't check on mine enough, but you but I do send my contractors over there. Um but if you do all those things, like you am talking about building wealth. Like that's how you build wealth. All right. We're running out of time. I know some of you guys are waiting for the math. So let's go over the math. All right. So I'm I'm gonna give you guys a um a case study. And I want you guys to try your best to, to get this. It's a learning lesson. So we'll we'll go over how we came up with the numbers. Um Let's see what Gary is saying. <clears throat> Gary is saying he's had two voucher holders, both left the house cleaner when they moved out than when they did, um, when they, uh, let me see, left the cleaner when moved out than when they did move out of the same place. No complaints. So basically he has no complaints with voucher holders, you guys, no complaints with voucher holders. I I, I love voucher holders. I almost think it's like, I almost think it's like stealing money from the government. It's almost like stealing. It's not stealing, but it's like it's a coup. Like I can have a rental property and the federal government's gonna pay the rent. And all I have to do is make sure the tenant doesn't tear up the property, which they don't. I treat them well, I give them a good product and they treat it like it's their own. Like, Like what's a better way to build wealth than number one, having the federal government pay the rent, they the federal government pays off your mortgage for you. Um and then all you've got to do is manage a tenant. Like how cool is that? And it's easy. Bring them, Gary, bring your tenants donuts, man. Bring them Krispy Kreme. I'm just messing with you, Gary. All right. So let's let's do a case study real quick. All right. So the first person that gets this some of you guys beat me last week. The first person that gets this gets $100. All right, so let's see. Um, Charvita has a property. She, the after repair value is 190, you guys. After repair value, this is going to be hard the after repair value is 190 on the property that she just bought let's let's say for example you guys are wholesaling the property you're whole you're wholesaling you're the wholesaler that wholesale the property to charvita. after repair value is 190 do the formula for wholesaling Do the formula for for cash buyer. Figure out what the after repair value is. Let me know, number one, what the wholesale fee is. All right, so that's number one, wholesale fee. So that's the first number I want. The first number I want is what the wholesale fee is. Second number I want is what the repair cost is. Make sure they're in the right order. And the third number is um, what you put it under contract for as the wholesaler. Wholesaler. And what you put it under contract. And the fourth is if Charvita actually was to flip the property, how much money would she make? All right, let me repeat. I want the wholesale fee. I want the repair cost. I want what you put it under contract for as the wholesaler and how much money would um, Charvita make if she was to flip the property. Give me those four. Um, if this is above what you guys know, I'm gonna go over all these all these things um, and, and show you how we got the numbers. All right, so let me give you guys a, a, couple, a couple minutes to um, get the numbers, and we'll be on our way. Let's see, 190 times. All right, so that's the profit right there. Um, let's figure this out here. Let's see, repair cost is this. Let me see, as a wholesaler. I'm gonna put that. This this one's a tough one, you guys. This this one's probably not fair. This one's not fair. But let me see what you guys come up with. All right. All right. Oh, you guys. Let's see. Got some 38s in here. All right, a couple more minutes, you guys. We got after repair value of 190 times 65% as a wholesaler minus repair cost. So the wholesaler is this. And then we just take one ninety minus. All right, all right, you guys. Um, after further review. after further review let, let let's go over the numbers let's go over the numbers and so it looks like every um it it looks like the repair cost should be 38,000 and it looks like a few of you guys have that repair cost is 38,000 um if she was to flip the property she'll make um 38,000 So, repair costs, if we don't know what the repair cost is, we're gonna take 20% of the after repair value, you guys, to get the repair cost. And so, um, after repair value is 190 times 20% equals 38,000. So, that's your repair cost. Also, her profit should be 190. Times your profit should be about twenty percent of the after repair value. So one ninety times twenty percent again is thirty eight thousand. Um, as a wholesaler, so as a wholesaler, we're going to take the after repair value of one ninety times sixty five percent minus the repair cost of eighty of uh, thirty eight thousand. That equals eighty five um, thousand equals eighty five thousand five hundred. That's that's the offer you're going to make the um, cash. I mean, that's the offer you're going to make the mo to the motivated seller is eighty five thousand five hundred. That's the offer that you're going to make the, to the motivated seller. Sixty five percent of the after repair value minus repair costs. Is 85,500 now we've got to figure out what are you going to what are you, what are you going to offer to the cash buyer what you're going to offer to the cash buyer is 70% so we can take 190 um, times 70% equals on uh, 133 minus 38,000 in repair costs that's 195 195 um, so the difference is when um, 95 minus 85 500 equals 9500 that's your wholesale fee let's see who got that um Gary was the first 95 oh I think Gary got it did Gary get all the numbers right Let's see. I know Kevin got all the numbers right. Kevin's a big show off. So, Kevin got them all right. And I don't think Gary, I think Gary, you missed a number somewhere. All right, Kevin. I think Kevin's the winner again. Gary, one of, one of your numbers is, um, looks like it's off. One of your numbers is off. All right, so ho- hopefully you guys see where we got the numbers. I, I can do it again. And so the re- repair cost is um 20% of the after repair value. So 20% of the 190 is 38,000, so that's easy. Um your profit as a someone that's flipping a property, property, your profit should be 20% of the after repair value. So again, that's 38,000. The wholesaler, 65% of the after repair value minus repair costs. And so that's 190 after repair value times 65% equals one um, 123,500. I think that's where Gary went wrong. Yeah. So Gary, you didn't subtract the repair costs. Repair costs is 38,000 equals 85, um, we're putting it under contract for Kevin. Oh, okay, Kevin got 8- 85, 500. And then um, as the cash, as um, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're going to um, give this property to, um, sell this to a cash buyer. Cash buyer's gonna buy it at at 70% so we're going to take 190 times 70% minus the 38,000 let me do it again 190 times 70% minus 38,000 equals 95,000 minus in order and so you want to subtract that from what you put on the contract, so the difference between what the con- what you're selling it to the cash buyer and what you um what you put on the contract for the difference in this case is ninety five hundred. All right, so Kevin, Kevin and Tamika, one again. Kevin and Tamika, you guys, I'm going to take a deep dive into this math at noon tomorrow. So sometimes it just takes a little um, practice. And it looks like these guys are doing, the, are, are practicing. And so you have to practice in order to get it, in order to win, you guys. You've got to know your numbers. You've got to know your numbers. Um, I think Chloe, let's see, Chloe. I think Chloe got close. A couple of you guys have 57,000. Where'd you guys get the 57,000 from? We'll we'll go over the numbers um, tomorrow at noon. So catch me live right here. I'll be on my Facebook page live too. Um, Any questions you guys, any questions that you guys have? Um, (laughs) Gary said back next week. All right. So again, you guys, any any questions that you guys have or concerns, anything that we need to talk about, put them in the comment section now. Uh, um, contact me offline. But I want you guys to win. I want all of us, I want all of us to win. And so if you need if you need more practice with the numbers, uh, we'll go over that. If you need better scripts, Keith actually teaches. A cold calling class every Thursday. You guys are more than invited. And so, if you want to go to it's a virtual cold calling class where he goes over scripts. Um, let us know. We'll, we're more than happy to invite you. It's for my real estate agents, but I want my investors knowing what to say to say as well. Um, and so, whatever whatever it is that you guys need help with. Um, Kevin, I don't know what that is, Kevin. Uh, whatever you guys need help with, let me know. Our, our one of us, we, we have to make money, like we have to build wealth. Um, unfortunately, we don't have wealth, like we don't. Like many of us, we don't. And so real estate investing is, is one vehicle that's gonna help us build wealth. And that's why I got into real estate um, at a very, very early age. Like I got in I really um, knew that I was going to get in real estate at seventeen years old when you know I read in encyclopedia that ninety five percent of all the wealth in this country is um, owned by um, people who who are in real estate. So at seventeen years old, I knew what my destiny was going to be, uh, just because of what I read and that that resonated with me so much that you know a few years later I bought my first property and I've been in real estate ever since buying properties. Um, but it's it's one of the one of the fields you guys that the sky's to limit. Many the the limit, many of you guys are in occupations where there's a ceiling or some of you guys are working nine to five or or on a salary where you know at the end of the year, you know right now in March how much, you know, what your W-2 is going to say. Next year, because you're on a salary or you work a certain amount of hours. Real estate, I can't tell you, you know, what my 1099 is gonna say or how much money I'm gonna make this year. Sky's the limit, you know, the sky's the limit. And I can't put a limit on, on what I'm gonna make. It's just, sometimes it's kind of predicated on how hard I work. And so that's what I want to be in. That's what I want you guys to be a part of where the sky's the limit, where, you're not overworked and underpaid. You get paid for the work that you do, but you guys, you gotta embrace it. Like You can't be comfortable. Sometimes you guys are comfortable because you know that you have a paycheck coming in every two weeks, even, even though that paycheck is not what you want it to be. Even though with that paycheck, you're barely making it, you're comfortable. I want you to be hungry, Like right? you gotta be hungry. I, I run scared every day and I've been running scared, you know, since I was about 25 years old or so when I, you know, started doing this full time. I've been running scared. But because I've been running scared, you know, you know, I've made seven figures in a year. And so um, but I run scared. I get up early and sometimes I go to bed late. Sometimes I work on the weekends because I don't have a paycheck coming in and I just like, I just have that mentality. Now, also, a lot goes with that as well, like living below your means and, you know, stuff like that, keeping great credit, things like that. But let's just really focus on building wealth. And if it means getting more education, asking more questions, being a part of our platinum coaching program where our, our students are really doing well, they're going to shadow us in, um, we're gonna do a, a small caravan on uh Saturday. Do whatever it takes, you guys. Ask me questions. I'm happy. I'm happy to help you. I want to help you. That's how I get my blessings by helping you. All right, you guys. I'm gonna stop preaching 9 15. I thought it was gonna be a short meeting, but we've actually gone over. So look, guys, it's all about winning. It's all about staying active. You know, what are you gonna do tomorrow or tonight? What are you gonna do? Write it out. We talked about time blocking. Write it out. What are you gonna do? One little baby baby step tomorrow, one little thing. Could be something that you read. Um, It could be a phone call that you've made. It could be practicing the formulas. Whatever that is, let's take a baby step and we get enough baby steps. That's gonna lead to some big things for us, you guys. It's gonna lead to some big things. Make a phone call, go driving for dollars, Post on social media that um you buy houses fast. Do something tomorrow. Time block, take a baby step. Let's win it. We all I want to be a part of winners, and I know you guys do too. All right, you guys. Again, Kevin Tamika. Um, you guys are doing big, big things. Um, you guys are practicing. Quentin Adams, you are way too late, my brother. Quentin just now putting up his numbers. Like, come on, Quentin, where you been? Quentin just now putting up, but his, his numbers are right though. All right, you guys. Um hopefully you got some nuggets out of this call. Um hopefully I was like a vessel, a blessing in your life tonight. But um let's let's use this education and let's win, you guys. Let, let's win All right, you guys, take care. God bless, and I'll talk to you soon. Hopefully, you guys will um, be on the podcast tomorrow. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Good night.